Welcome to the latest episode of British History, Royals, Rebels, and Romantics, the podcast for people who understand that history shows us what's possible for us in our lives today. I'm Carol Ann Lloyd, your host and tour guide as we travel back in time. We're shaking up history to look at the stories that don't always make the history books, to consider famous and infamous characters in new and interesting ways, and to look for all the things that we share even when we're living in different times and places. I hope you enjoy this journey through the royals, rebels, and romantics of Britain. Now, let's explore history together. Last week, we looked at the scandals that plagued the two kings who started the Tudor dynasty, Henry VII and Henry VIII. This week, we'll be looking at the top 10 scandals that plagued those who ruled England in the second half of the reign, a boy and two women. That reality was what the Tudors were so desperate to avoid. A child king had been at the heart of the troubles of the Wars of the Roses. Both Richard II and Henry VI had taken the throne as children, and both reigns had ended in disaster. Edward wasn't old enough to rule the country, and that meant years of some kind of regency or council-driven reign with other men holding the power and having the opportunity to make key decisions. It also opened the door to personal agendas and potential battles within the heart of government. And then two women, both of them crowned queen on her own, breaking hundreds of years of traditional male rule. No woman before Mary Tudor had been crowned Queen of England. And for her to be followed by another woman, the fact of them on the throne was scandal enough. But each of these three children of Henry VIII, who represent the second half of the Tudor dynasty, had plenty of scandals beyond that. So let's get started looking at the top 10 scandals of Henry VIII's children and England's next three Tudor monarchs, Edward VI, Mary I, and Elizabeth I. Edward VI. Edward was Henry's only living son. He came to the throne at age nine and reigned for six years. Although he died young, he created books for the Church of England that are still in use today. He was the first king to be raised a Protestant and to have a Protestant funeral. And although he died young, he managed to have some scandals in his reign. Scandal number 10, Edward's physical and mental health. Edward's known illnesses as king and his early death have led some to believe the child was sickly right from the start. However, contemporary reports suggest he enjoyed periods of very good health. In 1539, his governess Margaret Bryan wrote to Thomas Cromwell, My lord the prince is good health and merry. Would to God the king and your lordship could have seen him last night. The minstrels played and his grace danced and played so wantonly that he could not stand still. Edward's mental health is a bit of a scandal as well. Scholar Tracy Borman believes Edward had all the makings of a tyrant. Raised to have every need met and every desire indulged, according to some reports, the prince developed quite a temper. One day, challenged by his tutors about a lesson, Edward became enraged, grabbed his falcon, and tore the bird into four pieces. Not exactly the behavior you'd be looking for in a king. Scandal number nine, 
Edward's willingness to dispose of people no longer useful to him. Unfortunately, Edward seems to have inherited not only his father's temper, but his ability to discard people when they were no longer useful. In Tudor times, those removals are typically permanent and involve the Tower of London and the Executioner's Block. Take Edward's uncle, Thomas Seymour. He was upset his brother got all the money in the king's court and all the power, and he tried to gain favor with Edward by giving him presents and money. Still unable to gain traction in government, Seymour foolishly tried to kidnap the king. He was arrested and sent to the tower, convicted of treason, and executed in March 1459. Edward made no attempt to intervene to save his uncle. Edward's other uncle, Edward Seymour, Duke of Somerset, was three years later also arrested and accused of treason. He was executed in January 1552. King Edward wrote in his diary, quote, The Duke of Somerset had his head cut off this morning at Tower Hill between 8 and 9 o'clock. Once they became troublesome, they were expendable. Scandal number eight, Edward's attempt to change the succession. Edward was determined to maintain the work he and Archbishop Cranmer had accomplished to move the country further into Protestantism. But Catholic Mary was next in line for the throne. To prevent the country turning Catholic, the king proposed to disinherit both his half-sisters, disregarding the laws of inheritance and his late father's express wishes. Edward created a device for the succession that left the crown to Lady Jane Grey, the granddaughter of Henry VIII's sister Mary. This decision was not legal, but the king expected the members of his council to support it. It didn't succeed, and Mary Tudor was declared Queen of England on the 19th of July, 1553 ending the reign and the scandals of Edward VI. But there were more scandals to come. Mary I. Mary was born in February 1516 to Catherine of Aragon and Henry VIII, their first and only living child. She knew all of Henry VIII's other wives, and I bet she could tell some great stories. Both her father and her half-brother tried to disinherit her, but she prevailed and took the throne in 1553. Mary I was the first crowned queen of England. And she had her share of scandals. Scandal number seven, the influence of Charles V, Holy Roman Emperor, and Simon Reynard. After her mother died, Mary relied heavily on her cousin, Charles V, Holy Roman Emperor. He was thrilled when she became queen. His advisor, Simon Reynard, was Spanish ambassador to England early in Mary's reign. She trusted him more than she did her English counselors and frequently met with him alone. The English people were happy to have Mary as queen but not happy with an overtly Spanish agenda. Their fears were realized as Charles V and Reynard arranged something for Mary that made her happy and the English people not so much, a wedding between the English queen and Philip of Spain. Scandal number six, the Spanish marriage. Mary was thrilled with the marriage. At first, the people of England welcomed Philip of Spain and tried to give him a chance. But in 1555, Mary's doctors believed that she was pregnant. Parliament passed an act making Philip regent if Mary died in childbirth. The possibility of a Spanish king of England was becoming just a little too real. Turns out Mary was not pregnant. Philip left England. He returned just once more to request money and troops for his fight against the French. Mary agreed, hoping to please him and convince him to return to England. The fight against France was unsuccessful, and the last English possession, Calais, was lost. 
the scandal of Mary's marriage to Philip of Spain resulted in English losses and personal heartbreak for the queen. Scandal number five, Mary and Elizabeth. Mary and Elizabeth had a complicated relationship. Once Mary was queen, she exercised control over Elizabeth and insisted her half-sister become Catholic. She even imprisoned her in the Tower of London. But she only went so far. Why didn't she take greater action against Elizabeth? Why didn't she leave her in the Tower? Why didn't she force her to marry a Catholic prince and ship her out of England? Why did she leave her half-sister right there, heir to the throne and hope of the Protestants in England? And why didn't she just name a different heir? Was it because of Philip? Some suggest that Philip insisted Elizabeth be released from the tower and that her life be protected. He saw the handwriting on the wall after Mary's failed pregnancy and realized his best chance of having power in England would come if he waited for Mary to die and married Elizabeth. He seemed to claim as much when he made Elizabeth an offer shortly after Mary's death, implying that she should be grateful to him for her throne. Not surprisingly, she didn't see it that way and sent his representative packing. Mary ultimately left the throne to Elizabeth. Mary's reign was over, but the Tudor scandals continued. Elizabeth I. Elizabeth I, born to Anne Boleyn in 1533, was Henry VIII's youngest daughter and considered the least likely of his children to inherit the throne. In fact, she ended up having the longest reign of any Tudor and is considered by many to be the greatest monarch of the dynasty. But that doesn't mean her reign was free from scandal. Scandal number four, Robert Dudley and Amy Robsart. The most potent attack against any woman in the 16th century was an attack against her virtue. Elizabeth experienced this from the beginning of her reign and didn't do all that much to guard against it. Her friendship with Robert Dudley might have been completely innocent, but people, of course, were talking. So why didn't the queen simply marry Dudley if he was her favorite? Well, there was at least one reason Dudley was married to Amy Robsart. Amy was far away at home, while Dudley and the Queen frolicked at court. The simmering scandal got red hot on the 8th of September, 1560, when Amy was found dead at the bottom of a staircase in her home. She had sent all her servants away and was home alone when she died. How did she die? Did she collapse and fall down the stairs? Did she kill herself to implicate her husband in a questionable death? Or was she pushed? There are various suspects. Dudley, of course. William Cecil, who knew that death would create a terrible scandal and probably convinced the Queen Dudley was not worth the trouble. Even the Queen was a suspect. The official inquiry found the cause of death to be an accident. But that didn't end the scandal. Scandal number three. Will she or won't she? The marriage game. Elizabeth's relationship with Dudley was not the only personal scandal of her reign. From the moment she became queen, she was expected to marry. An unmarried woman on the throne? Impossible. With all her faults, even Queen Mary had done the right thing by marrying. And Elizabeth could be relied on to make a better choice than her Catholic sister, right? So everyone, members of the Lords and the Commons in Parliament, members of her Privy Council, her ladies-in-waiting, everyone seemed to think the queen should get married. Certainly, that's what foreign leaders expected. They were just waiting to see who would win her hand. She turned down Philip of Spain pretty quickly, but others from all over Europe thought they had a choice. So did some of the top nobles in England. And Dudley was always around, muddying things up, but she kept not agreeing to marry him. 
It was as if Elizabeth was the bachelorette. Which rose would she choose? Elizabeth certainly seemed like she wanted to get married. Sometimes. She made statements in Parliament that she would marry the man that God provided for her. That wasn't entirely convincing. She also told Parliament that she would be perfectly content if her death was marked by a stone, reading that a queen, having reigned such and such a time, lived and died a virgin. And she was heard by many people shouting at Dudley when he was pushing her to do something, probably decide to marry him. I will have but one mistress here and no master. The real scandal is that as many foreign courtiers as Elizabeth led along, pondering their offer, expressing her gratitude, conducting her foreign business, and then gently letting them down, and as many of her own courtiers as she favored, led along, positioned against each other, and got all the favor she could, I'm not sure Elizabeth ever really wanted or intended to get married. After all, she'd grown up watching what happened to her father's wives, to her sister, and even to her rival, Mary Queen of Scots. Not exactly advertisements for wedded bliss. Scandal number two, the rivalry with Mary Queen of Scots. One of the most scandalous bits of Elizabeth reign is her relationship with Mary Queen of Scots. Mary's life was full of her own scandals from the time she married Henry Lord Darnley. Elizabeth and even Mary's nobles were against that marriage. And as both Mary and Darnley were grandchildren of Margaret Tudor, the church forbade the marriage. Probably all of that should have given Mary some pause, but she requested a dispensation and jumped in. The marriage broke down almost immediately. Then there were scandals involving Rizzio and his death, Darnley and his death, and Bothwell. By the time Mary abdicated her throne and escaped to England, asking for Elizabeth to give her military support to return and claim the Scottish throne, It was already a very complicated relationship for political reasons. Then there were the personal reasons. Mary was younger and, according to descriptions, more beautiful than Elizabeth. She was captivating, and most men who met her were won over to her service. She had husbands and a son, something Elizabeth lacked. Mary had cast aspersions on Elizabeth's relationship with Dudley. Mary had been raised in comfort, security, and luxury, while Elizabeth had been raised as an illegitimate daughter, primarily away from court. Although cousins and both queens, there was probably more to divide them than to connect them. Then there was the other factor. From the day Elizabeth inherited the throne, Mary, Queen of Scots, had claimed to be the true Queen of England. She had quartered the arms of England with those of France and Scotland when she became Queen of France, clearly telling the world she was Queen of England. The coin she and Francois had struck to commemorate their being King and Queen of France declared them to be King and Queen of England as well. Although she didn't initially pursue her claim to the English throne, she wouldn't ever totally deny it. So Mary became the focus for Catholic plots to remove Elizabeth from the throne. Mary became the symbol of Catholic hope in England and in Europe. The Pope, the King of Spain, the King of France all supported plots to assassinate Elizabeth and put Mary on the throne. Ultimately, Elizabeth's spy network caught Mary in a ciphered letter agreeing to the plot to kill the Queen. That was enough. Mary was arrested, tried, and convicted of treason. All that remained was for Elizabeth to sign her death warrant. Would Elizabeth do it? Would she send an anointed queen to her death? She procrastinated for months and claimed, once she was finally persuaded to sign the warrant, that she never intended for it to be carried out. But of course it was carried out. Mary was executed on the 7th of February, 1587. 
Elizabeth had been responsible for the death of an anointed queen, and her cousin at that. That scandal burned bright for the remainder of her reign. And scandal number one, the end of the Tudors. Elizabeth managed to escape numerous plots against her life and outlive most of her friends and her enemies to die on March 24, 1603. In one way, her death was not a scandal as she died peacefully in her bed. But in another way, her death was the greatest Tudor scandal of them all. It was Elizabeth, not foreign enemies or English rebels, who brought the end to the Tudor dynasty. She willfully chose not to marry and, therefore, not to have any chance of leaving a child to succeed her. She might have felt justified as she left her throne to her relative James VI of Scotland, yes, the son of Mary, Queen of Scots, who became James I of England. This ensured the survival of the Church of England, which, of course, continues to this day. But James and his son and his grandsons were basically terrible kings. Within 40 years of Elizabeth's death, the country was involved in another civil war, and King Charles I was executed by Parliament in 1649. Of course, there's no guarantee of a better outcome, but none of those things had happened with a Tudor on the throne. Maybe another Tudor could have reigned more successfully. So Elizabeth's greatest scandal was also her greatest achievement, to rule England on her own and become one of the most beloved queens in English history. Thank you for joining me to check out all these scandals in the final three Tudors. They were quite a family. Next month, we'll be doing something different, taking a look at some of my favorite history books. I'd love to hear what yours are. Check in and let me know. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share with a friend. Do send any questions or comments. I'd love to hear from you where we should explore next. And please subscribe and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. I'm so glad we could explore history together. Till next time.